How far will you go? What does it mean really to bring a person who has forsaken and abandoned the way of grace and is going in the way of law? You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hillard. Glad you're with us. As today, we're beginning a new series. It's called A Threefold Appeal. And Pastor, it sounds like that's exactly what we're talking about in today's broadcast. Appealing to someone who has forsaken and abandoned the way of grace, going the way of law. Some people hear that and they probably know exactly what you're talking about there. Others, they're probably scratching their heads saying, what does that even mean, abandon the way of grace and to go the way of law? Well, grace is the only way to live the Christian life. If you're not living the Christian life by grace, then you're not living the Christian life. Hmm. Uh, Grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. The best acronym I've ever heard is God's redemption at Christ's expense or God's riches at Christ's expense. When Paul said uh, grace and peace to you, yeah. he wasn't saying, holla, hey, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a normal salutation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, grace. There's three kinds of grace. There's justifying grace, sanctifying grace, and glorifying grace. You say, what is it all about? Justifying grace is when we get saved mm-hmm. and God credits to our account the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. Now, verse 10 goes with that, but I don't have time in this introduction to talk about verse 10. So then it's by grace, uh, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. So then justice is when God gives us what we deserve. Mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. And grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. And everything I have, I have it by grace. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God and everything that I've done by the grace of God. And so he says, it's God's grace that saved me. It's God's grace that shapes me. It's God's grace that strengthens me. So when I say somebody has abandoned the way of grace, then they are trying to please God in the flesh rather than walking by faith. So is it that second grace you were talking about there, that sanctifying, sanctifying grace? Sanctifying grace. They're trying to earn God's... Keep me on yeah. track, Steve. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably the easiest way to do that is just get right to the message. So let's go ahead and uh, turn to Galatians chapter 4 as we begin a threefold appeal. Here is Pastor Ford. I remember uh, uh, my son Nathaniel, he's with the Lord now, uh, but... Uh, uh, he was a special needs child. You've heard many stories about him. He, he's always good, illustrative material. Uh, but I used to mess with him a lot. And uh, I'd say, uh, which do you want, man? You want a nickel or you want a dime? Because he would always take the nickel. And I, I, would, I would like, which one do you want, nickel or the dime? And so he would take the nickel. And so finally, you know, my wife said, why do y'all go through this? And I said, because it's amusing to me that he wants the nickel and not the dime. See, he's got it all messed up. He thinks because the nickel is bigger, it has more value than the dime. That's what's going on in the next section of the book of Galatians. 
that the Galatians were looking at the nickel of the law and the dime of grace. And they're saying more people are doing this. Uh, it has a majority of the people. It has more rituals. Uh, you can regiment yourself. You know, and you can look and see that if you keep these, then you're spiritual. There's no guessing. There's none of this uh, uh, grace stuff that you got to deal with. So give me the law. And then my wife said something to me. She said, you do this all the time. Have you ever thought that he takes the nickel because you give it to him all the time? You know, because yeah, he's getting the nickel every day. Oh, anyway, you'll get that on the way home anyway. So, uh, but here's what's happening here. And so then uh, what they're doing is uh, they're changing the message and we all know it. We don't change the message, the message changes us. Sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. So the Judaizers put stink in the game and Paul is contrasting here. He had just put up the dime of grace. He said, look, you're all sons of God. So literally, legally, and according to your legacy, you have an inheritance. You've been adopted. And it's all because Christ came and died on Calvary at the right time. So he's saying, you have all of these. Why would you go back to the law. Don't you understand that it's ritual versus reality? And so Paul is hammering it over and over again. So he's asking them some hard questions uh, uh, about his ministry uh, to them as the Galatian believers. Questions like, has everything I've done been for no purpose? All this teaching, and, and, and what do you do with it? I mean, I mean, I can relate to Paul. I've been here 35 years. And there's some people who sat under my teaching 15, 20 years and then went to a cult and then went to a brand of Christianity uh, that is not Christianity. And it was like, it was like, wow, you know, getting all of this sound teaching. And now I don't feel bad. I was studying this. I say, I feel better now because they did it to Paul. And, and I know I'm not as good a teacher as Paul was, not even half as good. And so if they did it to Paul, who am I? I'm thinking, you know, since I give them sound doctrine, they don't know the difference between sound doctrine and doctrine that sounds sound. You know, when the Bible said it, that in the last days that people will have itching ears and they'll, they'll be with teachers who tickle their ears. And I hear it all the time. Oh, you too deep, it's over my head. You know what I tell them? Stretch your neck. Stretch your neck. You're getting line upon line, precept upon precept. Wrestle with it. Struggle with it. Don't run. Yeah, I'm going over here because I, I can understand that better. Is it true? That's what Paul, and so he says, has it all been for no purpose? He's going to ask them, have I wasted my efforts with you? Paul was saying, listen, why am I being made to feel like I'm the enemy when I'm telling you the truth? And these people are trying to bring you into captivity, and I'm trying to see that you keep your freedom, but you won't even listen. And so then, why would you follow people who want to put you back into bondage? Here's the question on the floor from 8 to 20. Here's the question for you and for me. Here's the practical application. How far 
Will you go to bring a fallen brother or sister back into the fold? How far will you go to bring someone correct doctrine even when they dislike you because you're telling them the truth? That's what this is really all about. How far will you go? What does it mean, really, uh, to bring a person who has forsaken and abandoned the way of grace and is going in the way of law? What do you do when you have somebody who started out with the truth of the gospel, but now they're in some extreme brand of Christianity or even worse, a false religion or a cult? So Paul's not giving up on these believers. He's not giving up. He's saying you just can't give up. And so here we're going to have a threefold appeal or a threefold contrast that he's going to do. Number one, the appeal through freedom. The appeal through freedom. That's 8 through 11. The appeal through fellowship. That's verses 12 through 16. And then the appeal through fervency. The appeal, number one is the appeal through freedom. Number two, the appeal through fellowship. And number three, the appeal through fervency. Fervency, F-E-R-V-E-N-C-Y. For it means being hot and on fire. Amen. And so notice what he does. First of all, he says, listen, let me make an argument through the freedom that you have. Now, we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, watch this. Walk along with me now. Walk along. I want to see if you see it. Verse 8 through 11. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by my nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labor for you in vain. Now watch this, watch this. Walk along with me now. Notice the first thing he talks about. He talked about their life before their conversion. And what does he say? He says, you were in a bondage to sin. So you served small g other gods. Now, if you read Acts 14, you will find out that those gods are Zeus and Hermes. That's who they worship, Zeus and Hermes. And so, and so here now, uh, Paul talks about, watch this. This got me. Let me see if you catch it. Your bondage to sin before your conversion, then your conversion. Now, you've circumvented your sanctification because you went back to rules and regulations to try to live the Christian life. And notice what he does. He makes them equal. Okay, let me see if I can get you on my page. You didn't know God. You sinned because you had to. Then you were set free by God. We're going to deal with that because he says you know God, or rather you are known by God. That's, that, that, that's key. Then he says... And now you've turned to weak and beggarly elements. And the word weak literally speaks of and beggarly speaks of things that cannot do anything for you. So he equates the bondage of sin and the bondage of law as being equal. 
You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford, a message called A Threefold Appeal. And we'll get back to this teaching from Galatians 4 in just one moment. You know, if you're a regular listener to this broadcast, you know that Pastor Ford is passionate about marriage and relationships. And in fact, we recently heard from a listener in Illinois who writes, I love it when Pastor Ford preaches about marriage and how the husband should treat wife. Thank you. Well, Donna, thank you for letting us know that you're out there, that you're listening. And if this uh, teaching is making a difference in your walk with Christ, we'd love to know about that. You can come to the website, treasuredtruthradio.org, click on the contact link, ask a question or give us your feedback. And speaking of marriage, because Pastor Ford is passionate about it, he's written a number of books on the topic of marriage. You'll find those when you come to our website, treasuredtruthradio.org, and click on the link that says Books by Pastor Ford. Well, let's get back to the message once again. Here's Pastor Ford. Now, that light bulbs ain't come on yet. He's saying that you were not a Christian and you were in bondage to sin. But if you become a Christian and become in bondage to law, it's like you were never saved. Now, he's not talking about loss of salvation. We know that, right? What's he talking about? The ability to be able to live the Christian life cannot be lived if you live according to a bunch of rules and regulations. That's what he's saying. You are as ineffective in your sanctification as a Christian as you were in your justification as an unbeliever. Okay, let me see if I can get you to understand. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, when you try to live by the law, it demonstrates you don't understand what the law was all about. What was the law all about? The law was about what? To point you to Jesus Christ. So the law was a guide. You can read back and you can see it. It was a guide. And then it was a governor. Why? Because until, he says, until the giving of the law, you didn't know sin. In other words, God had to say, okay, now... This is sin. It's a transgression, which means to overstep the line. And the law was a guard. It was a guide, a governor, and a guard. It was not designed for you to become holy by keeping it. That wasn't its purpose. So then you are not utilizing what God has given you because you've circumvented it with something God gave you for a different purpose. Now, you know what? Satan always perverts a God thing, doesn't he? I was thinking about, I know at least five things he perverts. Holler them out. Go ahead. What does he pervert? Yeah, what does he pervert? Holler out. Okay, let me give you an example. You understand what I'm talking about. God gives us food, and we are to freely enjoy food. We are to eat to live. But some of us then uh, live to eat, and that's called gluttony. So he says, hey, hey, God says buffet your body. I say buffet your body. And so what do we do? Uh, God says I give you food so that you can live. And what does Satan say? Enjoy yourself. Buffet your body. Just go beyond, you, you know, just, just make food your God. You know, and, and uh, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say anything. How, what else? What else? Sex. sex. Yeah, God says he's given us sex within the confines of marriage. And so what do we do? We say, if it feels good, do it. Premarital and extramarital. 
And so Satan always wants us to pervert a God thing. What else? Money. There's nothing wrong with money. How many remember how many times I told you what's wrong with tainted money? Tain enough. That's right. That's the only thing wrong with tainted money. Tain enough. So somebody said the, the, that, that money is the root. No, it isn't. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so then when we love it, we pervert what God has given us. How about drinking? I know there may be some of us who think that it is a sin, but you have to show me in the Bible where the Bible says that it is. I don't see it in the Bible. But drunkenness is a sin. That's too much drinking. Here's one. Had you thought about this? God gave, oh yeah, yeah, music, and music is good. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And then what does he do? He perverts it because he does what? He changed the lyrics because what music is all moral. And the only thing wrong with music is the lyrics, lyrics, lyrics. And then let's not forget sleep. Yeah, and so God gives us sleep, and we ought to get at least eight hours of it, but 16. <laughs> I had a question one time where she said, uh, you know, well, it was all jacked up. She said, I'm living with a, a guy, and I know I shouldn't be, and blah, blah, uh, but he doesn't have a job, and I do, and, uh, you know, when I leave, he's playing the video game, and when I come home, he's playing the video game. So, what should I do about his laziness? And I, I just asked her, well, what's God going to do about your sin? You know, that's, that's what I, I, I went in on. You know, how, how can you expect God to give you something in his will while you are outside of his will? Doesn't make sense. But anyway, so the idea is then uh, that the devil always perverts it. These individuals have come along, and that's the same thing that they're doing now. So the law then, what's the problem with it? We begin to measure ourselves by what we do and by what we don't do. Now, if you look at Matthew 16, what you'll find is, here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Paul, why are you making such a big deal out of this? First of all, you rob yourself of the ability to live the Christian life. Now, let's go back. Let's go back one chapter. Remember what he said? Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you from the truth which evidently have been set forth in Christ Jesus? Having begun in the spirit, how did you begin? By being born again. How were you born again? By the spirit of God. Are you now made perfect by the flesh? He equated the law with something that instigates the flesh. And he's saying, listen, we're never going to be righteous by trying to be righteous. Man, that's, that's a big one for us. Because I don't know about you, but I try to live holy. And every time I try to live holy, you know what I find? I can't live holy. But it's when I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his life, Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. So Matthew 16.6 says this, Jesus told them, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
Does anybody know what the leaven of the Pharisees was? Legalism. Legalism. They made you go by a set of rules and regulations. What was the leaven of the Sadducees? Ritualism. Here, go through these, do this, and you'll be made righteous in the sight of God. So they lock you up so they can lock you in, so they can lock you down, so they can lock you out. I saw this, I thought, it, well, it does illustrate it. There was a rich New York family and they wanted to have a cattle ranch in Texas. So they went down there and uh, they were there for about a year. Some friends visited them and asked if the ranch had a name because they didn't see one out there. And he said, well, I wanted to be the Bar J. My wife wanted to be the Susie Q. My other son wanted the Flying W and my youngest son wanted the Lazy Y. So this is the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W and Lazy Y. Then the person said, well, where are all the cattle? Man said, they all died while being branded. Yeah, in other words, legalism puts you in a brand that leads to death. Nobody survives it. And so what happens? Living by the law makes you weaker, not stronger. Now notice what he says. Notice what he says. But now after you have known God or rather are known by God. So here, first he starts off, he says, look, this is the way you were before you got saved. You, you did this. Now you know God or rather you are known of God. What's he talking about? Wait a minute. He says, you know God. What is that? A salvation. That's your relationship. Known of God. How about this? Genesis 18, 19. Let me use that as an example. Here's what it says. He's talking about Abraham and he says, for I know him. I know him. Sanctification, when God, when God says, I know you. When Paul says, you are known of God, that is the process of sanctification. It has to do with your fellowship. You're listening to Treasured Truth with Pastor Ford and the first part of a message entitled A Threefold Appeal. And we'll get back to this teaching on our next broadcast. If you want to make sure that you don't miss it, come to the website, sign up to begin podcasting our program, or you can download the Moody Radio app. You'll find those links when you come to treasuredtruthradio.org and look for the Stay Connected bar. Not only can you find ways to listen, but you'll also find links to our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Again, stop by treasuredtruthradio.org and look for Stay Connected. You know, Pastor, we've talked about the fact over the years that Treasure Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we need regular, ongoing gifts to this ministry. Uh, yes, we do, Steve, uh, because we need listeners to support us on a regular basis every month. Yeah. You know, that helps us uh, know uh, we're going to be able to bring to them this timeless truth from the Word of God. Well, you can give a one-time gift or, as Pastor Ford was just talking about, an ongoing monthly gift and help us meet the expense of producing Treasure Truth. Come to the website. It's treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the link that says Make a Donation. And that can be a one-time gift or an ongoing monthly gift. Just come to treasuredtruthradio.org. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for praying and for listening today. Thanks also to our Bible teacher, Pastor Ford, and to our producer, Amy Rios. I'm Steve Hiller. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.